Happy Easter, everybody. You can grab a seat. So good to see you. I want to welcome you. If you're new to Whitewater, uh, we like to say you can belong before you believe. Um, That means you don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to believe what the church believes to come here and to build friendships, uh, to explore faith. And we just think it's so important to bring all your questions and personally own uh, faith as you're moving toward it. Or maybe if you're just new and you know Jesus, but you're looking for a family to, to uh, build deeper relationships and to grow in faith. And this is a place you can belong. My name's George. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I, uh, I, I think it's really important, uh, the idea of what our church is about. And um, there's this verse that gets forgotten a lot. It's called John 3:17. I think it's forgotten a lot because of its brother verse, uh, John 3.16 that everybody knows. But John 3.17 uh, <clears throat> says uh, simply this, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that's so important. So many times people can feel like when they come to a church or they come to a religious community that it's, you know, like uh, they're going to be judged or condemned. But if we're a church that's a Jesus church that's following the way of Jesus, this is, a, this is a, a hospital where sick people come to get well. We're not, a, we're not a university. It's all about knowledge. We're not about a fashion show, which is like presenting, you know, some kind of beauty to the world that, uh, that may or may not be realistic. We are a hospital for real people who are getting well. Amen? Amen. That's what we're about. So I just want to make that really clear up front. Um, 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 can I introduce my family? I just want to, if you're new, I want you to know who I am. I'm George again. I'm 36 years old. Uh, I have a wife and kids. Here's a picture of them. Um, I'm the bald guy. Um, that's my wife, Sarah. She's beautiful. Uh, she didn't want me to mention age, so I won't. Um, my daughter's name is Novella. She's uh, six years old, and my son is about 20 months old. And if you don't know him and he first meets you, that's the look he will give you. <laughs> He can mean mug. He just has that, that look. He's checking things out. Um, this might give you a little insight into my family. We were actually driving down to, uh, um, down in the town area. We'd just done some work uh, in our home. We were doing some work for Easter, getting ready. And my, dad, my daughter was like, I'm hungry, Dad. And so the, the, the choice that we had to work through was, are we going to go to Taco Bell or Taco Time? <laughs> Is there any Taco Bell people in the house? Okay, we got a few. How about Taco Time? <laughs> Whoa, wow. We got a lot of healthier people in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we chose taco time this time. We went through the drive-thru, picked it up. My daughter's, daughter was like, Dad, can we eat now? I'm so hungry. I don't want to wait to get home. I was like, well, we'd like to eat together. She's like, I'm so hungry. Give me my burrito. So tell you what, we'll, we'll eat in the car, but, um, but let's pray first. I'm going to pray first. She's like, fine. You know, religious pastor's family, Fine. And so, uh, so I started praying. I said, dear Lord, thank you so much for this food. Amen, from the back of the car. <laughs> yeah, and I realized what was going on, so I kept going. And I said, Lord, we're just so grateful for Easter, and we're so excited about church coming up, and amen. <laughs> it's like, I, saw, I see what this is about. So I finished my prayer, and I said, amen. And then she's like, finally, can I, we have some food? Give me my burrito. And I said, oh, but your mom, your mom has to pray. <laughs> And Sarah looked at me, she understood what was going on. And uh, so she was like, dear Lord, amen, <laughs> from the back seat. 
finally Sarah finishes her prayer and says, amen. And, and Novella goes, amen, dad, can we please eat? I'm, I'm starving. I said, well, your brother Wes hasn't prayed yet. And she's like, he doesn't know how to pray. And right at that moment, I crinkled the bag of burritos and tacos. It was like, and Wes knew what that was. And he goes, I don't know what he's saying. He's got a lot of different language you don't understand yet. And, uh, and, and Novella goes, he says, he says, praise the Lord, amen. <laughs> Let's eat. I want to bring a few highlights to you. Just, you know, if you're new or if you've been coming here for a long time, if you, um, if you got a, a packet, you should have been handed a packet. If not, there's some on the seats around you. But we have a, a thing called a Connect card. And uh, if you've been coming here for years or if you, this is your first day, I'm just going to ask everyone to fill it out. Could you hold this up real quick? If you've got this, could you hold it up? I just want to make sure that we got people who got these. Okay, at least three people got these. That's great. All right, we got a few more. Awesome. And I'm just going to ask everyone in here to fill this out. Um, and you'll have an opportunity to, to throw this in a plate later in the service as it goes by. But just fill out the Connect card. This is so helpful. This is a way that um, we can begin building a relationship uh, with you. We can help people move forward on, on their journey, on their spiritual journey by taking next steps. Um, you can put prayer requests on the back. Uh, it's just a great way to connect. And if you're new, this is a great way to let us know that you are here. And uh, you can, uh, this is your way of connecting with us. So you have that. And as you're filling that out, I have another personal request as your pastor or as a pastor that you're meeting for the first time. Um, <clears throat> when I'm praying through the sermon series and the sermons that we do, um, I have a team. I take time to pray and we, we really try to think through these things. But I, I would love to get your input. I would love to hear what you would like to hear about. Um, what, what would you like to know from the Bible? What would you like to know about you know, God's perspective on life? And, and this would be as simple as ticking two boxes, but if you just look at this survey and, and just fill that out, it's anonymous, you don't have to put your name on it or anything, um, this would be so helpful for me to know, hey, what, where are people at? where are people at right now? And I want to make sure that our sermon series and what we're doing as a church is meeting people right where they're at, right in the middle of life. And maybe you just, you, you're reading this and there's something from the community, a really big need that you see in the community. Mark it down, write it down. That would be so helpful for me. And the, the last thing I wanted to um, highlight is a thing called starting point. Starting point is simply that. It's the place to start at Whitewater. Maybe uh, you're starting your journey with the Lord. You're starting to explore faith. This is a place to come, and I want to invite you to my house. Um, Sarah and I are going to be hosting this tomorrow night, and we're also going to have one next Sunday, but tomorrow night we're going to have hors d'oeuvres, so it's going to be really fancy. Our hors d'oeuvres are really fancy at our house. Um, it's just an hour, and I love it because I get to hear your story. Everybody has a unique story. Everybody's on a spiritual journey, but that journey is unique to you. And I love that we get to spend time hearing individual stories. And then we spend time talking about what are next steps for you? What, what, what does it look like for you to grow and become the person that God has designed you to become? So I want to invite you to that. Mark that down on your Connect card if you're interested. Come on over uh, to George and Sarah's house tomorrow at 6, starts at 6.30 uh, in the evening, and you can also get our address in the back. Don't use it for nefarious purposes like forking or TPing our house. Please do not do that. I'm looking at one person in particular, I think we would, but um, we would love to have you and love to meet you. So with, with that said, I'd like to pray together and we'll get, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you so much and we're so grateful for you. Father, would you speak to us today? Would you encourage us today? I pray that, that nobody would walk out of this building without having taken some step of faith in their heart. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 1, 8, or 178 says this, The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in, in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. We live in a world that is seeking for peace, talking about peace, wanting peace in their families, in their relationships, in their work, in, the, in, in their cities, uh, in, the, in, their, in their world. But there's very few people that actually find peace. Peace like, that Jesus talks about, the kind of peace that the Bible talks about, isn't just like the absence of conflict, exterior conflict. It's so much deeper than that. The, the idea of peace in the Bible is, is like peace in your soul, peace within, peace with other people in your life, and peace with God. And when you have that kind of peace, it, it's, a, it's a peace that changes you, and it changes the, the atmosphere, it changes the, the temperature of the room. When you ha- are around somebody who has that kind of peace, it changes everything. And, and right now in our world, I don't know a, a more important time we can talk about taking the path of peace. And that's what this um, talk is all about. That's what this Easter is all about. How do we as individuals, how do we as a community, how do we take the path of peace that Jesus offers? I woke up this morning and, and I read about bombings that occurred in Sri Lanka. Three uh, churches um, were bombed and there were, and there were some other hotels on Easter Sunday, the day where Christians all around the globe are celebrating the resurrection. There are these acts of evil just unspeakable evil. Over 200 people, when I saw, have been killed today. Um, our world needs peace, does it not? There are people that are, have lost loved ones that are experiencing deep anguish. And, and how, do, how, do, how do we move toward peace? How do we have peace in our life and peace in our world? Well, one of the most important stories of the Bible is, is kind of found in the pages of the Old Testament. And, I, and I'm going to tell you a story about two brothers. Because I think peace, we, we often have a lack of peace in our families and the closest relationships. And if we don't learn to get our family and our close relationships with our loved ones, our husbands, our wives, our mothers, our fathers, our sons and our daughters, if we don't learn to have peace there, it's going to be hard for us to walk in peace in the world, is it not? So I want to tell you about two stories or two, two brothers, and, and a story of a path of peace. The story of Jacob and Esau. Some of you guys might have heard of this. Jacob and Esau were born twins. This is in the book of Genesis. And when they were born, they were born fighting. They were born at war. They were born into a family that was dis, like just completely dysfunctional, as dysfunctional as you can imagine, where, where there was favoritism, dad liked Esau, mom liked Jacob, Jacob was mama's boy, Esau was papa's boy, they, there was deception, there was jealousy, there was comparison because of the favoritism, and, and so the, it just cre- there was this environment they were born into of just complete dysfunction, and they were already, uh, they were born into a battle, and they already were born with a battle in their hearts. It says that Jacob was already wrestling with his brother, coming out second uh, when he was born as a twin. He was wrestling, trying to be first. He was born at war. 
um, the brothers, as they grew, uh, Esau was named Esau because he was red and extremely hairy. He was like a little beast, feral child. He was just this manimal of a child, and it just super hairy. Like, you have to be hairy for them to recognize that if they write that in the pages of the Bible. I mean, they're writing all these important things about God, but like, let's not forget about the hairiness of Esau. <laughs> You know, I just want, they'd write about my hairlessness in the Bible. There's the, the defining feature, but for Esau, that was him. And he was just this, like, definition of masculinity versus um, Jacob, a different definition of masculinity. He had, like, dolphin skin versus hairy beast. Now, um, there, this story comes to a really important turning point around something very important in the family. This thing was called the blessing. And in the family, the oldest son would receive the first of everything. The oldest son would receive the inheritance. He'd receive the best portions throughout his, uh, his growing up training and, and education. And he was his dad's favorite. And he was being trained to be the leader. And everybody else, like Jacob, who's born second or after that, would get the leftovers. They'd get the scraps. And so Jacob was always second. His brother was always first. And there was this thing called the blessing that the father would give the eldest. He would give spiritual blessing, a blessing of prosperity, a blessing of, of life and of leadership. And it was, it was a blessing that had deep spiritual uh, uh, symbolism and it was deeply spiritual to the family. And, and it was something that was to be given from father to son. Now, it, as they grew up together, as they, as they aged, uh, Isaac, the father, grew, he, he grew blind. He couldn't see anymore. And, and Jacob was tired of being second. And Jacob's mother wanted Jacob to have, have the blessing more than Jacob did. And so they saw the blessing and they saw an opportunity and they decided to take it. While Esau was out hunting, doing Esau things, the mom said, here's the plan. I want you to go in, pretend to be your brother and take the blessing. And so that's what they did. In fact, uh, Jacob put on a goat skin on his arms because she said your father can't see you won't be able to see but but put on goat skin so it'll be like Esau's arms his hair so he goes into his father he's dressed with goat I mean imagine this he's dressed with goat skin on his arms he walks in and, and he comes in and he goes father you know or whatever he sound, sounded like and his dad was like who is that and Esau and he's like that does not sound like Esau come here and so he, he got real close to his father who couldn't see anymore and he felt his arms and felt the goat fur. And his father was like, yep, that's Esau. <laughs> I'll just take a moment to step away from the story. How hairy do your arms have to be <laughs> for like, someone to feel goat fur and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's you. <laughs> I, have a, I have a brother-in-law, Aaron. He, he is a beast. He's got some hairy arms. My daughter went up to his arms and she was like, you've got a wolf's arm. You know, he's just like, you've got a dog's arm. This is so hairy. And there's some men, there's, like, it, it, it keeps their shirt off their skin. It's like, it's this like protective layer. And, and don't be embarrassed, like embrace it. Esau was the manimal. Embrace your manimal. Are there any super hairy people? Don't put your hands up. Don't identify yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Esau comes back, sees what's happened, finds out his brothers betrayed him. He's deceived his father. He's deceived uh, Esau, and he's stolen the blessing, what was, what was rightfully his. And he vows, I will kill Jacob. I will, I will find him, and I will murder him. I will take back the blessing. And he's just filled with wrath, filled with rage. Jacob 
knows that his brother's angry and he flees and the rest of his life he's running and deceiving and he had to have the blessing he had to have he had to get this thing and it just broke all the relationships he ran from his family didn't get to see his mom uh, didn't get to be around his dad for years he was split from his family and he was running from his brother whom he had sinned against and that's where we enter the story That's where we enter this moment that I think is so crucial. Picking up in Genesis 33.1, this is the day, it's morning time. There's been a long night where Jacob has has been wrestling with how he's going to confront his brother because he can't run anymore. His brother has come, his his forces, his family are right there, uh, right in front of his. He can't go anywhere and, and he has to face his brother. Look at this. It says in verse 1, Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau. He's been running. There's been this gap between them. There's anger and wrath. And Jacob finally confronts his brother. And Esau confronts him. And it says Jacob looked up and saw his brother. And saw you know, what he thought was, the, was fury, probably tears of rage to him, just seeing him standing in front. They haven't seen each other in years. They're grown men. They've got families. They've got different lives. They don't even know about each other's lives. But, all, but, but the most important thing is the gap, the separation. And here is Esau over here looking at his brother, the one who stole from him, the one who betrayed him, the one who ripped his family up, the one who had to have the blessing so, bad, so badly that he was willing to, to destroy all the relationships in his life. And here he is in front of him and he's vowed to destroy him vowed to kill him and there's this gap have you ever had that gap that separation between you and somebody else maybe you've stood in the place of Esau and if you're standing in the place of Esau the gap the separation is the suffering that that person has brought on you because of their words and their actions and the the thing that they did or the way that they treated you If you're standing in the place of Jacob, you might be here today and you're standing in the place of Jacob. And the separation is sin. The Bible calls it sin. It's your words. It's your action. It's it's what you did to cause suffering and pain and harm to the other. And it creates this separation and this gap. And I'm willing to bet today that there are some people that are standing in the place of Esau. And you you have experienced deep pain, deep betrayal, hurt, words that you never thought would... Uh, what someone would say or uh, betrayal of the deepest level in a room this big I mean unfaithfulness and hurt and 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 um, you've you've experienced that and it's been put onto your life and you didn't ask for it and this suffering and this pain is you're you're standing with Esau and there's some of us who are here with Jacob and one of the the biggest gaps in our life is is that we are the ones who have who have hurt and abused and said and acted in a way that has just put put pain on people and sometimes we're standing in place of Jacob we don't even know how badly we've hurt someone else we're even ignorant of it but there's this gap and today's about closing that gap how do we walk the path of peace if we if we follow it up in the story it says as they were facing each other Jacob himself went ahead and bowed to the ground seven times until he approached his brother he began to approach him began to move toward him. He's been running from him his whole life. He begins moving toward his brother for the first time in years. And then it says Esau ran to meet him. And I can, I, I can assure you, I bet Jacob thought, oh, I am dead. I mean, Esau just runs at him. This big beast manimal. And it says he ran to him, 
And then the most unexpected thing, where Jacob thought he was going to be torn apart, he hugged him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Jacob's like, this is not what I expected. And this, this big beast, hairy man, wraps his hairy arms around Jacob. I mean, who knows how hairy, I mean, maybe it was like flowing hairy. It was just like, I don't know, like Bigfoot on those commercials you'll see. He's just got this flowing, ah, and he hugs him. And then he starts kissing him, and he's got this big red furry beard. You ever been kissed by someone with a beard? I mean, just like, my dad had a beard growing up, and just would kiss us on the head sometimes. And it's just bristly, and Jacob's like, this is, this is not going how I thought it would go. He's just picked up by this big man, and it says that they wept together. They wept together. Why did they weep? If you've ever come back and forgiven somebody or been forgiven and had the relationship come back to life, it changes everything, does it not? When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he asked, who are these with you? And I think in this moment, they realized that the gap that was between them was so much bigger than they had realized. It had, it had blocked them from so many things. Like Esau didn't know Jacob's family. He didn't know that you know, niece, that nephew. And he didn't know what they liked and what they didn't like. He didn't know their personalities. And Jacob didn't know Esau's family. And their family, their brothers, and they don't even know each other. There's this gap standing in, the, in between them. And my question is, how does Esau, how did like, he come to a point where he was able to let it go? To be able to drop the problem, be able to let his anger and wrath out and run and embrace his brother. And how did Jacob get the courage to quit running and turn and face his brother and ask for forgiveness? How, how did that happen? Recently, I was, had the opportunity to go to Rwanda. And when I was in Rwanda, I went to the, the genocide museum and it wrecked me. There you, you just see the, the, the damage that of the 1994 genocide. Many times in the West, we, we forget these things or we don't even know about them. But in, in 1994, there was a genocide in Rwanda where, um, where a million, over a million people were murdered brutally with like machetes and uh, axes and just the worst, most painful ways on purpose, intentionally, systema- systematically murdered brutally over a million people in a hundred days. And uh, that, that, that's 10% of their population, just so you know. 10% of the population murdered. And when peace was, was finally brought uh, from the outside into the country and, and, and the for- forces stopped the war, the, the leaders realize, well, we might have peace externally, but we don't have peace internally. Like there's still like tribes that are upset with these two tribes that are, that are, that are, are still deeply rooted in violence. And, and if, it, what are we going to do? How do we bring healing to our country? Our country is bleeding, and how do we heal the wounds? Because the leaders that we're looking at are realizing we need, to, we need to repent. We need to confess of our leadership. That even the church leadership came to a realization like we need to repent and say we were making disciples of the state and of the tribe, not of Jesus. Amen. That might be my father-in-law. We'll have to reconcile afterward. So what the leaders did, decided to do is they, they said, we can't, go, we can't go on a retribution mission. We can't go on a revenge mission. We're going to try something different. We're going to try to bring healing and reconciliation and peace. And so what they did is what's called the truth and reconciliation movement. 
and with the church. I mean, there were church leaders that were helping lead this. They, they decided we're going we're gonna to give trial power to the village level and we're going we're gonna to try to have people forgive each other for atrocities. I mean, it sounds crazy, right? And, and what, what they did was that you'd, ha- you'd have these trials where someone would come and they'd share what would happen. And if you admitted the truth and confessed the truth of your sin, you'd have your, you'd have your sentence mitigated. And you'd have the years that were mitigated turned into community service. You'd do some time, some prison time, and then you'd be restored to community. And that, they couldn't, there were so many people that participated in the genocide, like they didn't have enough prisons to, to, to put them in. So like, this is the way forward. We're going to try the way of peace. And there's a story that just haunts me. One of the stories I heard, there was a woman that went out into her village in the center of the village for one of these trials. And she, she comes out and she faces, she's, she's the Esau. She's been wounded and hurt and she stands in her suffering. And she faces a man who comes out and stands staring her down. He's a man who's murdered her family. And she looks across at him and the, and the whole village is around. She says, did you kill my family? Yes, I killed your family. Why did you kill my family? Why did you kill my husband, my daughter, and my son? Why? He says, well, I was called by the leaders at the time. They said if I didn't do it, they said they'd kill my family. But why did you kill our families? We were friends. We ate at the table together. We watched each other's kids. We were neighbors. We were friends. We were family. Why did you kill my family? I was afraid. She can ask anything she wants. She says, how did you kill them? I killed them with a garden hoe. No, no. Show me how you killed them. Picks up the garden hoe and shows her. She says, where did you hit them? She can ask anything. She's expressing her pain. Where did you hit them? He shows her where he hit her husband in the back of the head. He shows her where he hit and killed her children. Where did you bury my family? Where did you bury my children? Where did you bury my husband? Here's where I buried And this man at this point, he's confessing his sin. She's expressing her suffering. And he says, will you, and he's trembling, will you forgive me? Please forgive me. Please forgive me. It's just dead silent in in the village. This woman stands for what seems to be an hour and says, I choose to forgive you. I heard that story. It was just like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. How does that happen? One thing I do know is for peace to happen, somebody has to absorb the pain. Somebody has to absorb the sin. Somebody has to absorb. How does, how does that woman forgive that man? I have friends sometimes that will say, man, George, I know you're a pastor and and I would believe in God and I'd follow God if you just like if you do something miraculous for me and I could just see it. And I'm I'm like, there are miracles going on around us that you just can't see. You don't have eyes to see it. Forgiveness in Rwanda over after that genocide, like like in this story and many, many others, where people were forgiven for the worst of things, 
and, and the country found healing, like that is a miracle, is it not? To me, that is the sign of God at work. Like, because I can't do that on my own. And God's spirit did this movement of healing and forgiveness, truth and reconciliation that is leading and has led to peace in that country. It's been amazing. And friends, how many of us are standing in the place of Esau, standing in the place of suffering and pain, and we're facing Jacob? And how many of us are, we're Jacob and we're looking across and we look at what we've done and, 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 and we've been running from it and it's time to reconcile. It's time to bring peace into our lives. So my question is, how does Esau do it? How does Esau forgive? And it struck me as I was reading this, Jesus teaches the same story. In the prodigal son, if you know the story, the young son, the young brother runs away, wastes the inheritance, does foolishness, runs away, and then finally realizes how, how foolish it was and comes back to the family. And it says the father saw him from a long way off and in the same words, ran to him, threw his arms around him, kissed him, and they wept. Jesus is saying the father's heart is expressed in Esau, who hasn't been the hero of the story, if you know this at all. The father's heart is to run and embrace his son. And so how does Esau get over the pain? Because it doesn't erase suffering. You can't just be like, oh, I forget it, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, suffering really happens. When pain happens, somebody's got to absorb it. And how did Esau absorb it? How did he take that in? How did he move past it? How did he let go? How did he realize, like, look, there is no future without forgiveness. And in the story of the prodigal son, Jesus leaves the story with this thought. The father runs to the Esau, to the older brother, who's angry at his younger brother, who's embarrassed and shamed the family with this sin, and he's, he's stolen his birthright, his inheritance. And like, who is this son of yours? And the father runs out to him, and he looks at him, he's, son, we have to embrace your brother. We have to reconcile and celebrate and rejoice his coming we must restore him because he was dead and now he's alive he was lost and now he's found and friends if you've been wondering this whole time why are we talking about Jacob and Esau on Easter it's because of this moment God would say to us who have absorbed suffering and there's a gap in our life and we haven't let it go he says your brothers or your sisters are dead. The one, if they've committed that kind of sin, there's a spiritual death that's occurred. And Esau, at some point in his journey toward peace, had a moment with God where God gave him that revelation that he, I, want my, I want to kill my brother. I want him dead. And God had to reveal to him, your brother is already dead. You, 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 Jacob was a man without peace. And you show me a man without peace, I will show you a man who is dying inside. You show me a woman who has no peace in their life. I will show you a woman who is dying on the inside. And, and Esau at some point realized, look, I can hold on to this and it can eat me up, ruin my own life, and then it will, it will ruin the future of ever having a relationship with my brother, or I can let it go. And I can run to him, and I can restore him, and I can be part of his redemption, and I can see resurrection in his life, bringing death to life. There is no relationship without reconciliation, friends. And then how does Jacob stand there and have the courage to confess and own up for his sin? 
How does he do it? How does he stop running? And in, in the story of Jacob and Esau, you have to realize what happened the day before they met. That night, God visited Jacob. And Jacob, when he, saw, when he met God, God entered his world in, a, in a, an amazing way, in a way that he needed. He entered Jacob's world. Jacob's afraid. He's got to meet his brother. He's terrified. He's anxious. He's angry. He's, been, he's, he's spent his whole life trying to live and grasp this blessing that he had to have, and he's, he's had it at the expense of everything that matters most. And he's lost, he's lost contact with his family. His, his own family doesn't know his brother and his heritage and his history. And he's been this example of a deceiver and a liar. And he's just been striving his whole life to be something he's not so he can have something that wasn't given to him. And he's tired of it. And God meets him in that moment where he's about to meet his brother. And he, he does what he knows. Like his family were a bunch of fighters. They were a bunch of strivers. They were a bunch of deceivers. And he just attacks God. And he just starts wrestling with him. And he's fighting God. Some of you guys might know the story. Know this story. And he just, he just wrestles with him and fights him. All night he fights with him. Won't stop fighting. And it's not because God can't defeat Jacob. Can we agree on that? I don't think Jacob's like this super strong dolphin skin male that can beat God in a wrestling match. God was meeting where he's at and he was absorbing the rage that he had, absorbing the disappointment with his life, the disappointment with himself, the foolishness of his life. His whole life had been set up because he had worn goat skin on his arms and, and stolen something that didn't belong to him. And when the day is about to break and the light is about to come, uh, the angel of God, God himself says, I have to go. Let go of me. He's like, I will not let go of you until you bless me. I want your peace. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being a, a, a pretender, a, a faker, a liar. I'm tired of it. I won't let go. You're going to have to kill me. And that, that moment God said to him, what's your name? Do you guys remember who asked him that? His father. What's your name? And he said, my name's Esau. He lived behind a facade and he had his goat skins on. And God says, who are you? Jacob says, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. And he steps into who he really is. He doesn't hide anymore. He takes off the goat skins. He's been hiding off all the lies and said, this is me. This is the truth. And God says, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel, because you struggled with God and found peace with God and man. Isn't that incredible? There's so, some of us who need to know this, that Jacob didn't find peace with his brother until he found peace with God. Some of us need peace with God. Some of us have sin and suffering and separation in our life that we need God to come in and, and, and bring peace so that we can begin to have the, the courage and the faith to, to make peace with others and have peace inside of ourselves. So let me ask you this. Where in history do we see the convergence of sin and suffering and separation come in one moment for all of mankind throughout all history? Where do we see that except in the resurrection the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of our sin, all of our suffering, all of our separation was put onto Jesus. And in exchange, God, Jesus absorbed it. Just like he was absorbing the rage when, the, when, when Jacob was wrestling with him. He absorbed it into the cross. He absorbed it into himself. 
and he gives forgiveness to our sin. He gives healing to our suffering. He gives reconciliation to our separation. He brings peace between God and man and peace into our souls. The cross is a fire that lights the path to peace. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. God absorbs sin and suffering like a fire absorbs wood. Me and my friends one time in Bellingham we were having a bonfire and we threw a bunch of like wood and a bunch of pieces and apparently it had been soaked in some kind of flammable liquid and we threw it on there. It went boof for miles and miles on the bluffs of Bellingham overlooking Bellingham Bay. You could see this pillar of fire 50 feet in the air. Eyebrows singed and all of us guys were like, yes, that was awesome. When people put Jesus on the cross, when they crucified him, they thought they were extinguishing the fire, but they were only igniting the fire of God. They thought they were finishing the fire of God, but they were only fueling the fire of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the fire. I will absorb all that you have. Like, if you're standing in the place of Esau and you're standing in the place of that woman, God is the, he sent his son to be the ultimate cosmic, universal uh, bearer of sin, the absorber of sin that gets transformed into love and to grace. Amen? I am the light, Jesus says. He's our only path to peace. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let me finish with this. I don't know what you carried in here. I don't know if you're standing in the place of Esau and you just need to let it go and, and, for, and absorb, give it to God and run to restore and bring a brother or sister back to life. I don't know if you're standing in the place of Jacob. You need to take off the, the, she, the goat skin. You need to own who you are and confess the truth and, and to receive grace and let, let the, 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 the cards fall where they may. I don't know if you need God so badly in your life. You've been wrestling. You just need to like, you need to win by losing and receive the peace of God. But I want to invite you to do that right now. If you need peace in your family, peace in your marriage, peace in your uh, work, peace in your life, and peace with God, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Father God, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. God, I need peace. Would you give me peace in my soul? Would you give me peace with people? But most of all, God, would you give me peace with you? Jesus, thank you for dying on the, cri- on the cross and absorbing my sin and giving me new life and peace. I give you my life the best I know how. Amen. Can we just take a moment to celebrate people who invited peace into their life today? Would you just give my hand? I want to invite you into this moment as we, as we sing the next song. I, I want it to be a symbolic moment, a spiritual moment for our whole church that says we are a community of peace. Symbols are really important. People wear rings, like it's just a piece of metal on their finger, but it represents something deeply spiritual, their love and commitment to somebody. And, and Esau 
when he ran to his brother, when God the Father runs to one of us and embraces us, like it's action oriented. It's not, Esau didn't just think in his head, well, I'm going to have peace with my brother. He ran to him. And today I want to invite you to, to have an action that symbolizes stepping into the light. Jesus is the light that leads us to the path of peace. And what I'm going to ask you to do is during this song, when the light comes on, you'll see it. When the light comes on, I'm going to ask you to come down this side. And if you, you invited peace into any area of your life today, you say, God, I'm taking a step of peace with a friend or with a family member. I'm taking a step of peace to reconcile. Or I'm taking a step of peace with you, God, or peace within. Um, I, I want you to come forward. If you, maybe you're saying, I'm going to make a step of faith to just begin belonging in a community of faith and exploring faith. Whatever it was for you, that's a, that's a, a major moment in your heart. I want to ask you to step out of the darkness into the light symbolically by walking across this stage. It's going to be dark. People aren't going to be able to see you, but you're going to walk through the light into peace. And I want to invite each and every person that made a decision to do that. In our, our last services, we've had three services. We had, it was amazing. We had f- uh, fathers and sons who are adults crossing together. If you've got somebody here that you need to bring peace to, Grab them, and they're here. Grab them and walk together. Work it out. Walk this path of peace, and then call them if they're not here. Call them when you get out of here. Make it a resurrection, Easter, new life day. Amen? This is for our community. I want to invite you to that. I saw, we saw people that were coming through the light for the first time, finding peace with God, finding peace in their life. That's what I want for our church, friends. That's what I want to see. And we don't want you to walk alone. And so when you come here, I'm, I'm going to ask as your pastor, if you let me just stand here. I want to stand representative in some ways of just the Father's heart. I want to give you a hug, a handshake, and just and even pray for you. We'll have other people that can pray, pray with you and for you if you want. But just as you walk that, I want to just welcome you into that path of peace. We've got a Bible for you because we, we want to resource you. We've got um, Whitewater Worship CD for you. And then we want to make sure we get you a, a devotionals um, we've got a, a seven-day devotional that helps you walk forward in faith and peace from this point. And, and I just want to invite you to, to do that. So let me pray, and, and then I, I want our community to respond in a moment of peace. Amen? Let's pray. Father, would your peace just fall on this place? Would we actively get up? Would we actively show what's going on in our hearts? Lord, would we be a community that seeks peace, that forgives, that stands in the place of suffering and hurt and is able to forgive, that stands in the place of Jacob and is able to receive forgiveness? God, we ask that we would step into your light and into the path of peace today. In Jesus' name, amen.